Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. In times of crisis, there are unsung heroes that step up and come in clutch at the opportune time. In a pandemic, those heroes wear scrubs. As the entire country is shut down for most of its workers, there is a group of people who continue to wake up every day, put in long hours, and put their extensive training to work. Today on the podcast, we continue our series on healthcare workers putting their lives at risk to save the lives of others. Coming up next, Healthcare Heroes of Lane County, Volume 2. Welcome to the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. As we continue our series on healthcare workers of Lane County, today we will be joined by a very close friend of mine who is a pharmacy technician. I'd also like to remind anybody listening that if they'd like to help out, they can sponsor the podcast with a one-time or monthly donation. Go to strpod.com slash sponsors. Now let's get to our guest. My guest today is a longtime friend of the podcast and personal friend of mine, Tika Laidley. Tika, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, you know, I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for quite a while. We've known each other for about 25 years. This is not the circumstances that I had envisioned, but I got to thinking about this project that I'm doing, a series on healthcare heroes, and you working as a pharmacy technician. You know, we can't say where you work, but you work at the ER. uh, And, you know, so you've seen the scene at the hospital and see the just impact that this is having on hospital workers and healthcare workers. So I thought it was a great chance to have you on. So thank you so much for doing this. Not a problem. Why don't we just start out? Why don't you just tell us what you do? So basically as a pharmacy technician, we just take care of patients who need their medications. But um, along with that comes, you know, rules and laws and um, knowledge of the interactions with different drugs that patients are on and, you know, things like that. Um, insurance, uh, it's a lot of stuff. It's not just putting pills in a bottle like most people think. Sure, totally. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I've ran into trying to get these uh, guests booked is that the people that work the front lines are exhausted. So when I say front lines, yes. I mean like the, the nurses and the doctors in the ER and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people that I've reached out and said, look, I'd be really interested to talk, but I'm so just exhausted. And so I appreciate people like you. And I just, I, uh, volume one of this series was with Amy Marie, who does in-home care. Because as far as scheduling, it's not like you're picking up a ton of extra hours. It's just that the, the feeling of your job feels much different. Is that true? It's definitely different, you know, there's not like stress, but like, I mean, it's stressful, but 
it's just there's just the a weight so kind of a pressure yeah and yeah there's just a weight and i think go ahead oh no, no i was just say you're going at a at a much faster pace than normal um trying to keep up so that's and then you know just the the worry of it all is exhausting too so yeah i said a little bit on the last episode about how it feels in life right now that we have a mix of uh being over uh, over exaggerating things and underestimating it, you know, at Absolutely. the same time. Yeah, yep. so it's just this numbing feeling. I mean, today we had to get a couple of things from Costco. We had to actually fill a prescription for our dog, <laughs> but uh, so we were at. She's fine. It was uh, it's allergy medicine or uh, flea medicine, uh-huh. you know. So, mm-hmm. but but we had to wait in line for toilet paper, and I mean, because we're yeah. getting to that point, just a natural progression of shopping that we had to so we waited in line for almost an hour it was fine uh-huh. but but yeah i mean just and the feeling of it is really numb and uh, yeah what really gets me and i don't want this to sound judgmental but when i see young people wearing masks and gloves it's not like i'm like oh you should be giving those to older people which that's a different issue but it's mm-hmm. the fact that i'm like that's where we're at right now like you see that and it well, makes you- yeah and honestly the masks are more for people who are actually symptomatic, who are coughing, who are sneezing, who have runny nose, who are sick. That yeah. protects other people from getting, you know, their germs and their germs spreading. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree there because if they're not sick and they're young and they're, you know, perfectly fine, they don't really need to be hoarding masks or <laughs> taking no, up all the if, masks. That people and if do they are sick, eat. then they, they shouldn't be at Costco. You know, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As much as it's hard, there's enough people reaching out saying, look, if there's anything you need that say that somebody needs toilet paper, that they could be like, look, I think I might be sick. And then they reach out to someone, you know, someone like me or you or anyone that's actually posted that we're willing to help and we'll leave it right. on their doorstep. Doorstep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so a lot of people are doing that right now, which is great. It just more people need to be doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to discuss with you, uh, we kind of will reiterate what's been on the news coverage, a lot of it, but I want to talk about the symptoms because there's some myths and some things that people don't, uh, haven't taken serious. So tell us some of the symptoms that people need to look for, for people that are infected. Okay. So obviously cough, any shortness of breath. Um, there is GI stomach issues, um, headache, headache that won't go away, you know, with medication or over a long period of time, um, is another symptom and, uh, the runny nose or fever and the fever can be kind of tricky because depending on what you use to take it and how and where it's not going to be completely accurate all the time. Right. So checking your temperature is a big deal. Um, I would say, but yeah. all of those are big, are the, the big diff- red flags. And this is where we're in is such a weird spot because, uh, you know, my stepson was, he stayed home from work sick. He works in a, f- a warehouse actually like loading trucks with t- toilet paper and, yeah. uh, and he stayed home from work because he wasn't feeling good. And at this point you need to take it really serious. If you're not feeling, exactly. if you're not feeling a hundred percent, you need to stay home. But, you know, what we ran into is he had thrown away the thermometer because the last time he used it, he had strep throat. And so he was like, well, same thing. Yep. yeah, so we went to four or five stores trying to find one. Yep. And, and I understand why. I mean, it's because they're not stocking extra. They're stocking their normal amount and they're all being bought mm-hmm. 
So it's it's a yeah. challenge. Now you had mentioned this the uh, sniffles. You know, is mm-hmm. runny nose? I've heard mixed things on that. It's because r- right now, like you know, you had told me off air that you've been dealing with allergies, and I have yes. as well. Mm-hmm. So is that is that something that has been included in the symptoms as a runny nose? It is. It has, um, according mm-hmm. to what I've been told by you know healthcare professionals. Um, that it is a a symptom just because you're it's a respi- respiratory issue so a lot of times that can involve runny nose um not necessarily so right so uh speaking of respiratory issues there's something that that uh we were going to discuss you know ventilators ppes and ventilators those are the two things that everybody mm-hmm. keeps talking about PPEs mm-hmm. are what? PPEs are personal protective equipment. Protective equipment. So mm-hmm. masks and gloves. So masks, gloves, the whole suits, you know, just protecting your entire body basically um, from anything. <laughs> with what you do as a pharmacy technician at the ER, you work mostly with the staff, correct? Like it's the people that have to fill prescriptions because that's where they go for their prescriptions. That's correct. Yeah. And, and so are you having it because the people that are working, the staff of the hospital is heavily exposed to the crew. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a high risk that they are carriers at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you then allow? are you then expected to have more PPE on hand? Like, do you, are the, you know, are you guys covering yourself? We, we have it on hand, um, you know, as a, for an, emergency cases right now we're not required to um obviously other parts of the hospital are and um, nurses and whatnot but we aren't required to we do have to do um we have to follow certain protocol when it comes to um, unpacking drugs or letting people in or interacting with a patient who comes to the pharmacy Um, we're wearing gloves and we're you know sanitizing everything Absolutely. I think it's similar, you know, because I was doing the delivery. I'm not doing it anymore, but the food delivery. And I think with what you were, you're doing as a pharmacy technician, it's probably similar because it's the handoff of a bag, essentially, mm-hmm. a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And then the face-to-face yeah. contact, because you do have to explain anytime you give a prescription to someone, you explain uh, some of the side effects and all that stuff. I mean, everybody listening to this has picked up a prescription before, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. So that's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of risk. The scene at the hospital, I just want to touch on is bananas because even driving by you know and it's i mean we have to get out of the house or we go too straight right so so a lot of times we'll just go through for a quick drive and there's restaurants that are doing drive-through and stuff like that like we went and got donuts Mm -hmm. today (laughs) but uh uh, (laughs) but we drove by the hospital at uh mckenzie willamette and Mm -hmm. the tents out front and then seeing the people in protect and ppes wearing gloves and masks waiting for people Mm -hmm. to drive up so what is happening with the checkouts or check-ins so when people pull in and they might be infected they have to be seen before they can even go into the building right it's initially the same thing um depending on their symptoms obviously if they are experiencing symptoms that would suggest they have covid they are put in they go to a completely different area like um we've basically are like building, you know, a, a isolation building for yeah. those patients and um, everyone in the ER or outside of the ER are normally there is not staff outside of the ER waiting for people who might be coming in to stop them, you know, and even myself or any uh, employee that works there is stopped 
before they are allowed into the building and checked. And checked. Yeah, check the temperature. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. my, step-mom, my stepmom works in geriatric care. And I was talking to my dad this morning, and that's what he said, that when every employee that comes to work, she checks their temperature to make sure that they're not running a fever. And, you know, if they are, yep. then they, they're not allowed to work because they're not taking any risks. Exactly, yeah. It's mm-hmm. pretty intense. So it is. You know, now, I wanted to talk about your personal experience recently. I think it was back in mid to late January. That you it was, had, yeah, end of January. Had dealt with a serious uh, bout of pneumonia where you were put on a ventilator and intubated. Mm-hmm. And we yes. almost lost you. It was really scary. Mm-hmm. And so now you're recovering from, so you were, uh, you can speak on it, but your diagnosis was, was uh, respiratory distress syndrome, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, that and pneumonia in both lungs. Yeah. So this so, is re- really scary because uh, I'm sure the thought has gone past, you know, across your mind now. That oh, absolutely. You're in the hospital <laughs> yeah. in a in a <clears throat> high exposure area, and because you're at high risk, that has to be scary. It's a little scary. Um, at the same time, you know, I kind of wonder what what I was really diagnosed with and what I really had or how I got it. You know, maybe it was the virus who, you know, there was a lot of people experiencing the same issues around the same time and um, being hospitalized with pneumonia for pneumonia. So um, I've thought, you know, what if, what if I even had it already? And that would be nice because then I wouldn't get it again. (laughs) Well, is that something that is a given? I mean, and and that thought crossed my mind. uh, Mm -hmm. Dana and I were talking today about um, doing this, you know, you and I doing this podcast. And she said, I wonder if what she was dealing with was the coronavirus. Was right. Mm-hmm. And because it, I mean, the timeline, it's iffy, you know, but we're not, nobody's positive on when the first exposures in the States were. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. And are we sure yeah. though that, if somebody has been infected and then gone through the process of recovery that they cannot be reinfected? That is the case so far, but you know, I can't say for sure if that's 100% yeah, accurate. Th- I don't think that there's been enough time for trials and all that kind of stuff to right, be tested. Right, exactly. That's yeah. the scariest thing. You know, I spoke on the last one about the vaccines and vaccines take so much time that there's a mm-hmm. risk that you're going to have to basically take some guinea pigs that, I, I don't, we're not going to have enough of a sample size. This is why, and you wanted to talk yeah. the thing that to stress, the only way that we can combat that is by what social distancing, correct? Yeah. Social distancing and staying home, not going out, not interacting with people and just, you know, doing your part. That's protecting everyone else as well. Their lives, their family, not only yourself, but them as well, you know? Yeah. I mean, and that's, like I said, you know, I understand people want to go out, uh, because we were going out running errands. But when I say that, I mean, I'm talking like we went to Costco. We were definitely trying to keep our distance from each person. And people were being very respectful. You know, they, mm-hmm. they've, they've set things in line to where you have to stay between a, uh, behind a line before they can, you can approach. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the hand sanitizer pumps are everywhere. And so they were being yeah. pretty cautious about it. But, I, you know, I have to yeah. say fr- Friday night, I was, uh, I was, we were out. And I saw a lot more people congregating. So did I. I see. I went to get gas just at the gas station and there was a big group of, you know, maybe late teens, 20 year olds. And I just wanted to scream at them because they're standing there in a group at the gas station because there's nowhere to go. Right. And why are you doing that right now? 
Yeah. And it, it's, it's scary because, you know, people like me, not only are we put at risk of, of that, but there's also the economic impact because people like mm -hmm. me, I work in a barber shop and yeah. the only way that I can go back to work now is when the governor lifts the executive order 20-12. And so right. they're not going to do that if people don't practice social distancing. So exactly. Mm -hmm. So the naysayers that are on you know, Facebook saying, oh, this isn't even as bad as the normal flu, which is ridiculous for one. For two, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Because yeah, it doesn't matter. The because, public perception know, is going to be enough to drive the shutdown. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and if it's not getting, if it's not being contained and it just keeps spreading and people keep dying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. those statistics too. I mean, people say, you know, I don't know the number. I keep hearing 3,000 people die a year from flu in America. The, that is pretty accurate. Um, it is very, very, you know, the flu is pretty bad. Oh, people die from that every year. Absolutely. It's, Healthy So, people. I mean, I understand when people are saying the flu is way worse than this, but it's not, you know, it, it's not like when it first started and we didn't know what to do. And people were well, dying. Well, for one thing, if, I don't know the, the number today nationally if, as far as deaths. I haven't looked, but... The reality is, is that if we keep the pace that we're at, we're going to go four to five times the death rate exactly. of yes. the flu. So that's mm -hmm. pretty substantial. And there's no known treatment until like we had mentioned in the last episode with antibodies where they can start taking people that have recovered from it and looking in their blood for antibodies. Exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's a way that, you know, something might make <laughs> towards a vaccine or whatnot or a treatment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We're yeah, a long and that time takes away. a lot of time. Very much, you know, a lot of time and research into that kind of stuff that, you know, is is not going to stop it right now. Like we need. Now, in your job, what was some of the advanced training? I mean, was when did you start kind of getting wind? When did they start telling you? Because you know, you had talked about being uh, hospitalized yourself personally the end of January. But then mm -hmm. was it, was it mid February or early March when you started getting kind of talk at, at work about it? I know for my barber shop, because it's an international shop on the U of O campus, mm -hmm. we have a lot of people from China. So we've been talking about this for five or six weeks, it feels like. But then yeah. now I was thinking about it and this is a long winded question, but I, I was thinking about it that the shop itself shut down effective March 16th. So we're talking 12 days and it feels like it was three months ago. It does, doesn't it? It's kind of funny how that happens. But no, it was definitely more um, February. Um, I would say like middle end of February. And it wasn't as extreme as it is now. It was just, you know, being safe and taking precautions. Um, now it's a lot more in depth and um, we have emails constantly being updated on numbers and um, ways to protect ourselves and and fix issues that we're having with people um, not getting medications that they need because just like the toilet paper, you know, they're, they're panicking and they want inhalers and um, you know, so the people who need them aren't getting them because yeah. it's being overly, I mean, you know, yeah. so that's, that's basically the biggest thing right now. Um, and obviously protecting people and protecting ourselves, but it was, Definitely February. Um, so it, it's been, I would say, at least a month or so. Yeah, a little it's, pretty, over a month. it's crazy the rapid 
change in in society over such a short time you know i mean it was yeah basically one week we're like oh man this is kind of nuts i hope i hope we don't get sick i didn't honestly think that we were going to shut down our shop like that right. came, that came within a three-day window once it was like no this is coming and we were proactive i've, I've said this a bunch on the show we shut down before i right. even thought the governor was going to shut down. The reason that we did yeah. that was because, like I said, our shop is, is our safety and our customer safety is paramount, is everything to us. Right. That's, the that's the most that important. People come in after traveling all over the country and, and mm-hmm. college students and staff, and we've got yep. staff that's flying all over the country at all times of the year. It's not just right. that people think about the breaks, but I talk to people every single day that are like, I'm going to Phoenix tomorrow. I'm going to Washington, right. D.C. Mm-hmm. People that fly back for the weekend to go to China sometimes. At which it, right. I mean, so it, it was just too high risk the patrons that, that are coming in. And so we took- Yeah, absolutely. Patrons, and I give a lot of kudos. And, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the only thing I could, like all I could keep thinking about with you being, you know, a barber and working there was, you know, cutting yourself. And I was just really glad that you guys did shut down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you know, I I wear gloves or I wear one glove because I get hair slivers in my left hand like crazy. Yeah. That's, the, that's mm-hmm. the hands that goes basically that I, I use to kind of work through people's hair and whatnot. <coughs> Excuse me. And so I've been doing that for about two years and I will Good. for the rest of my career. Because yeah, that's, smart. That's, there's, well, there's just, there's a lot of stuff I've gotten used to using it and you can get the really cool um, nitro gloves that tattoo artists use and whatnot. And oh, nice. So, yeah. People are so used to it at this point. And you know, that's another thing that on Amazon buying a box at a time, like I actually did have to up it up and buy a 10 pack. So buy a thousand gloves because people are stocking right. up on those that are just going grocery shopping with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's insanity. I mean, I understand buying a box of gloves, but the reasons that people are doing it is so that they have it for the next two years or something. It's not exactly. And that's not necessary. <laughs> no. So it's pretty, pretty scary. So now yeah. uh, we had talked a little bit about uh, you being a mother and you and I are very close friends. So I know your history, uh, but I do want you to talk on the challenges of being a mom in this time. I mean, your youngest son is how old now? 13. So he, so your kids are older. They're pretty with it. They're, you know, obviously you guys talk about absolutely everything and are very open as a family. Yep. Mm-hmm. How are they taking it? I mean, are they taking it serious? Are they, you know, they're not really understanding completely the depth of, you know, the seriousness I feel they are listening because they're my kids and they know better. Right. Sure. So, uh, you know, they're, they're going stir crazy. Basically they're sitting at home every day and not interacting with anybody and they're social. They're very social people. That's what kids do. Yeah. And so they're wanting their friends to come over they're wanting to go to their friends and they're not, my children are not allowed. They're stuck at home. And, um, that's to help prevent the spread to other people, you know? Well, I think that that's really admirable because I'm sure that where you work and being in a high exposure area, when you come home, I'm sure you're taking the precautions. Cause I know that everybody's told that if you work in a high risk area or high exposure mm-hmm. area to come home, take your clothes, throw them in the wash, take a shower, all that stuff. Yeah. Wash. Clorox wipes are wonderful right now. <laughs> Wiping you know, down all the things that we touch, the doorknobs and light switches and that kind of thing. 
Yeah, because our you know our kids are a little older, seventeen and nineteen, and they get it. Mm-hmm. But it's tough. Yeah. Like, can I go? You know, can I go hang out with some friends? And it's like, what are you doing? And I mean, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know. It's it was funny. I was jokingly said uh, to our younger, my younger stepson. I said, why can't you just go back in your room and play video games? Like that's see, that's what like, my kids are doing. I'm going crazy having them play video games every day. I said. I went and got some books, you know, and I said, you guys need to read. You need to read at least once every day because this mean like, being on video mean, games is all day is killing me. Reading like on the Kindle? I don't know. No, no, no. Book Real books. Talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I've re- Actual I've, hard copy paperback. I've read, some pretty, I've read some pretty lengthy Facebook posts actually lately. That That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That, so. Well, that works. You're an adult. But, you know, that's what I'm most concerned with as their parent is the lack of school and, um, you know, their brains not getting the, what's the word, you know, soaking up some knowledge like they should be right. regularly. So what do you think is the most uh, significant thing that you've experienced so far with staff? I mean, are people losing it behind the scenes? You know, it's kind of like. Yeah. So like you was said earlier you know there's the the two extreme sides basically um there's some that are get it and are just doing with their part and doing what they need to do but there's definitely people who are freaking out um even you know staff and um there's still some who think that it's not even a real thing so (laughs) but for the most part they're doing their job you know they're they're there to take care of people and um that's that's what we do it's such a hard thing in Oregon because we have had such a low num- number, but the testing is now just starting to happen. Is that correct? Right. The testing, well, it's not that it's just starting to, it's that it's just been so limited. Um, they're wanting to test people who they feel are going to be positive, you know, or would have it because there's a limited quantity of tests. So, Yeah. And so that's the interesting thing. I keep thinking that one of these days we're going to wake up and the numbers are just going to skyrocket. Hopefully in Oregon, we've kind of taken this more serious than other areas. And also there's different, there's different issues. I don't think it's fair for people to compare states. Like for us to compare it to Louisiana. New York or, yeah. New New York is a different entity in its own. But I mean, we have such a, I can't imagine because you're literally in New York, you have to get on an elevator to leave your house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? And, you know, I, I almost didn't want to tell this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway, that one of the times, this is what made me kind of want to stop delivering food. I made a delivery with Uber to the Holiday Inn on Franklin. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of weird stuff going on right now where we don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to like create any conspiracy stuff by saying this, but I'm just going to oh, say gosh, my, yeah. my, <laughs> my okay. experience though. Like, so I go in and I go into the hotel and they said, bring it up and I'll tip. You know, so I go up and I bump the the little thing with my elbow and I go up to the second floor and the guy didn't answer the door when I knocked. The guy in the room room next to him comes out on the hall looking super sunken in sick, sickly, right? And he's on the phone. Yeah. And he's on the phone with his wife and he says, uh, you know, he says, yeah, it's really, until (laughs) I, until I start feeling better, I just don't want to be around you guys, coughs, whatnot. Oh now, my goodness. Normal flu season. So then the guy finally comes to the door. I call and I say, I've got your food. Are you coming? He comes to the door. He also looks sick. I'm like, did I just walk into a quarantine? Yeah. And, you know, there's no way for them to tell the public without hysteria. 
That's the thing. Yeah. So, so which I think is a little bit ridiculous because I mean it's pretty at that point that people should not be going hysterical, you know, like sure. Yeah, um, I don't think that that's what it was. I think that the opt- yeah. I think what happens and I've talked about this at length off off the podcast, but <laughs> I think what what it was was that these people might have started showing symptoms of just a fl- just being sick, you know. Yeah. And then they're like I need to take the precautions because maybe they live with other, maybe a multi-generational family, for example. Cause that's one thing right. that we've, we've heard a lot about <clears throat> is that if you live with people, your grandma or maybe, <laughs> you know, even if you're in your mid twenties and your parents are getting up there in years, mm-hmm. who knows, you know? And so, there has been reported cases of, you know, teenagers and, and babies. So I don't know about deaths, but there's definitely reported cases of, of younger yeah, I've read some headlines about about some you know early twenties uh, you know across the country people that have mm-hmm. died and and people keep talking about this whole where they try to downplay it based on age like you know I'm I was kind of hinting at that but age and then also pre existing condition or uh, yes previous, underlying uh-huh. issues but see I just think that that's such a lazy way to look at it because just because somebody has an underlying issue they weren't dying of that underlying issue beforehand. And not to mention the fact, how many of us don't know? I mean, even myself, it's like, I'm not somebody that likes to go to the doctor a lot. And I know that my (laughs) family has a a history of high blood pressure. And just as one one example, and I just, for some reason, I'm like, I don't want to do it. You know, and so I never go unless I am dying. And at this point, (laughs) at this point, you can't go for simple things. You know, because- right. And I think a lot of people do that, really. I mean, even that's what I did when I was feeling sick. I waited almost two weeks before I even went into the hospital and I could barely breathe. So yeah, that I think was- it's pretty normal for people to do that. That was scary. You had told me off air that you're comfortable with talking about it. And I really do appreciate you sharing your story. But yeah, that was scary. I mean, you're breathing. When I was at the emergency room you're bre- to visit you and you were you know, put into a medically induced coma, your uh-huh. breathing, your breathing was at what? 70%? No, it was at um, 30%. I could oh. not breathe on my own. So. Okay. So yeah. well, when I came back is what I'm saying. Like when I was there, mm-hmm. it was at 70. So it got down to 30. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was really bad. <laughs> it was scary. And you know, and I've told you this um, after the fact, and it's, it's gotta be, I, I've never been through anything like that. So uh, as a patient saying, you know, cause the nurses and the doctors did not seem very optimistic when, when we were there. Right. It was pretty mm-hmm. wild. Well, and I coded, so that's, you know, not a good sign either. Uh, pneumonia is serious. You know, people die from it every yeah. day. Yeah. So, you know, it's like yeah, back it, to talking about how people say, Oh, they had an underlying issue. Well, you know, most of the times that I've read <laughs> stories about people that have, that are HIV positive and, mm-hmm. and end up with AIDS. Now this is a completely different thing, obviously, but most of the time when they die, they die from pneumonia or they, or, you know, or, or at least the news they, will report it that way. It's Complications. because they're, yeah, their immune system is compromised and they are more at risk of getting those, you know, diseases or issues that other people would recover from better or easier. Yeah. So and don't, don't quote me. I'm not a doctor, but I've, I've read numerous times people that died from complications of HIV and it was pneumonia that took them. Uh-huh. Like you said, it's because that is an, an immune system. Yes. Breaks down your mm-hmm. immune system. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I just think that people need to be taking that serious that they're trying to downplay it based on age. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, I'm not at high risk. And, you know, people want to have a chicken pox party where everybody gets right. it. So that they can, you know, because and, and if anybody see, listening yeah. in the in the 80s, parents would take their kids to uh, these parties where they would expose them to chicken pox so that yeah. they could get it out. Because I guess when you get chicken pox later in life, it can be more dangerous for you. So they would... <laughs> it's very it's very serious and you know so it's it's funny back in the 80s they were doing that i'm sure we were both taken to them to chicken pox right. parties and yeah, I a joke with my stepson about he's like i just want to get this so that i can go back out to live in my life and i'm like oh we still don't know you know we still yeah. don't know <laughs> we still don't know if you can be reinfected or how long after right. you mm-hmm. feel better that you're still symptomatic or uh, uh contagious you know so i don't know yeah and I mean, if it's anything, well, you know, it's supposed to be very similar to pneumonia or you will get pneumonia um, because it's a respiratory issue. If it's anything like my recovery, it takes a long time and I'm still recovering. It's been almost two months, right? <clears throat> it's still hard for me to breathe and my body is still very fatigued. Yeah. And that's scary so, because those symptoms that you're feeling from, you know, ah, that's just, it makes me wonder. I mean, and I'm sure your brain right. constantly goes there because- <laughs> Because the sim- the symptoms that your recovery is showing are similar. It to the are symptoms. the symptoms? Yes, yeah. But at the exactly. same time, there is a sm- small part of you that is telling yourself, "What if that's what it was?" I mean, it would have been pretty mm-hmm. fun. You, you yeah. Didn't, you didn't eat a bat, did you? No. I, <laughs> no, I, saw, I did not. <laughs> I saw a meme. Uh, I shouldn't joke about it, but I, I that's how I process things. But I saw a meme that was. Uh, that made me chuckle. That was Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne. That's what I was going to say. And, it it say just, and he said, I used to eat bats all the time. I turned out yeah. just fine. I can't so, help but laugh. You know? I know. I mean, we have to have a sense of humor, but we do need to take things yes. serious. So, yes. Well, Tika, thank you very much. It's always, uh, it's always fun to chat. I, I uh, haven't seen you since I saw you in a hospital bed. So it's when we can actually give each other a hug, it's going to be nice because that's probably going to yes. be like, Probably going to be like 18 months before we can hug each other. God. <laughs> Even though we live like two miles from each other. The way, yeah. So, uh, well, I love you very much. And thank you for coming and talking to me a little bit. This is uh, episode two uh, of the Healthcare Heroes. And keep doing what you're doing. And, you know. Absolutely. Yes. I appreciate everything you do. Anytime. Well, thanks a lot. I want to thank my guest today, Tika Laidley, and I want to remind you that if you're listening and you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to strpod.com slash sponsors and make a one-time or monthly donation. Everything helps. I want to give a special shout out to a sponsor today, Alan Zundel. Your donation really means a lot to me. This is such a difficult time for everybody, and the people who work in the healthcare field are on the front lines and deserve every bit of gratitude we have for them. From doctors and nurses to pharmacists and care providers, it truly takes a village to keep us healthy and we are all truly grateful. I'm going to end this with a song. This is a cover of a dear friend of mine's song. He went by Edward Outward. He was so awesome to let me cover this song. So this is me, Patty Rose, with a track from my new EP, From the Dead. It's called Long Lost Day. Thanks for listening. Like a plan that's all gone bad Like a falling rain I feel the strain of sympathy Like almost every day I don't agree with anything Not a word they say Like a plan that's all gone bad 
Like a plan that 